Hi, everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. I'm Josh. And uh, I don't think we've still gotten past that uh, bowl game, but we'll have to talk about the whole season and not just the bowl game in a little bit. <laughs> I'm over Well, it. do we have to? That's that's why we're all here, right? I feel like Josh's life is just an endless loop of Johnny Cash's edition of Hurt. <laughs> Sometimes I mix it up and throw on the Nine Inch Nails version. Best version. But anyway, yeah, the bowl game. Uh, I'm over it. Well, maybe you're the only one. I just remembered it when we <laughs> when I hit the record button. I got sad again. But <laughs> let's, let's just push that further down the podcast. Yeah, and that's that's the plan. We'll do our season recap at the end of the show so we can talk about some hoops and know about how long we have to talk about football. But for right now, let's start on the other side of football because both we have some dogs in the NFL and also one former dog in the NFL that turned to the Canadian Football League. Isn't that right, Evan? Yeah, we got Kenneth Dixon getting signed by the Toronto Argonauts uh, last week, which is awesome. You know, if you listen to us in the offseason, we cover those like, you know, tech, former tech players you should know or whatever, where are they now segments. And seems like we've had a lot of success over the years in in the CFL. So hopefully Kenneth Dixon is just the next in a long line of, uh, you know, maybe he'll end up with his own barbecue show or whatever. Or he'll pull a pinball and renounce his American citizenship, move to Canada, and become a uh, prosperous businessman. Yeah, sounds good too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and it should be noted the CFL season uh, starts, I think, the first week of July. So we'll be able to cover his stuff uh, pretty darn... Let me see, I'm pulling up the schedule right now. Oh, it starts in June. Holy crap, it starts yeah. around the middle of June, so we'll be able to cover his stuff... Uh, way before the tech season begins or the NFL season begins. Yeah. We will become a Toronto Argonauts podcast. <laughs> yeah, we've got nothing else yeah, to talk about in the off season as evidenced yeah. by this past off season. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely going to be super exciting. I don't know if you guys know this, but the entire 2020 CFL season was canceled. They did not play a single snap. Probably oh, wow. a smart thing to do. Well, that's because Canada's smarter than America, Josh. Uh, you will find no debate from me on that. Yeah, I would also not argue with that because to jump over to our National Football League discussion, you know that the United States won. Uh, usually we'll talk about what players we have that get played and don't get played, and everybody was just really dumb because only three tech players got any <laughs> stats this week, and I blame America. There. Who do we who do we have play? Well, who, who we don't have play to, yeah. to extend this bit a little longer. There, right? Yeah, we have Jeff Driscoll, Amik Robertson, Ryan Allen, Tremont Williams, Justin Ellis, Vernon Butler, Logarius Sneed, and Trent Taylor, who had COVID last week. I'm not sure if that's why he was still out this week. But all those guys, no stats. Well, Logarius and them were, uh, which is actually pretty cool, uh, where Logarius was benched because... Probably just resting up, huh? He's right because he's considered a starter. Oh, man, that's cool. Um, so he was rested uh, with the rest of the starting defensive backs. Uh, I'm pretty sure that he's been well established as the starting slot corner. So that's awesome for Legarius. I mean, it sucks when you don't get to see him play, but I'm sure we will come divisional week. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's really cool to see him get you know that nod of like, hey, you're really important to our team, so you're not playing in this meaningless game. <laughs> um, Guys who did get to play, though, were Jalen Ferguson, who had a pass deflection. Xavier Woods got back into action. I know he'd been hurt for a couple weeks. He had three tackles, including one tackle for loss. 
And then Boston Scott played, I believe, in, <laughs> um, I believe Miles Sanders set set this game out for maybe he was injured or you know a meeting Philadelphia gave up. Too. Yeah, they kind of gave up. Yeah, I've seen some accusations that their coach was actually tanking like in real time. Um, no, he was. And uh, I mean, that probably anyway, came from the top anyway. Anyway, Boston Scott had 15 carries for 65 yards, two catches for 14 yards, but. Uh, he did something tackle. else, didn't he? Yeah, one, one yeah. tackle. Tell us about that, Matt. He had one tackle, not for loss, but really, well, not well. You can't tackle for a gain. That's just stupid. But uh, Boston Scott, yes. uh, there was a fumble, <laughs> and uh, the terrifying Chase Young, aka Predator, uh, picked up the ball and started running with it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I saw Chase Young running with a ball, <laughs> I would run the I would opposite probably, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think leave. I would. I would leave the stadium. <laughs> any any ounce of athleticism or picometer of athleticism I have in my body, I would use the opposite way. Uh, but all five foot six, I think, of Boston Scott successfully tackled Chase Young out of bounds, and it was a <laughs> it was a sight to behold. Yeah. Um, Ch- anybody know how tall Chase Young is, and how like how much he weighs? What are what Isn't are his measurements? Like isn't he? Oh, you don't. Do you actually? Um, I have it pulled up. I have it pulled up. Uh, is he like six guesses. five? Two, is he like six five two forty? Josh, what do you think? Six four two fifty. Nathan. Yeah, I'm more interested in how much he weighs and smoke Harris's, but yeah, I'll say uh, <laughs> about five smoke Harris's probably. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, <laughs> six five two seventy. Okay, so he's six five. So both Nathan mm. and Matt were right. He's two sixty five. So I oh believe. Oh my god. Uh, Nathan, you're the closest. You win the prize Jeez. of knowing hey. how big Chase Young is. Imagine getting hit by a building. Like that's getting hit by a building, right? <laughs> Boston Scott weighs 203 pounds, which is pretty pretty muscular for a five foot six guy. But that dude has almost an entire foot on him, and he threw him <laughs> out of bounds. No, <laughs> he tackled him to the ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he he like mm. slung him, and he yeah he fell out of bounds. But yeah, it was a it was a good tackle. So. Do you hear that, listeners? That's what we hang our hats on when yeah. our football player successfully tackles someone after their team fumbled. <laughs> Again, we're trying to put off for as long as possible talking about other football things. So God, it's, it's only going to get worse. But uh, I think that that was that was the only guys that played in the NFL. Yep, just those three. Well, they're all here. <laughs> well, enough about football. Yeah, let's talk about something much more optimistic this week: basketball. Eh. Halfway it started off on a high note, at least. I feel more optimistic about basketball. Did y'all get to watch any of these games? Uh, on Twitter a little bit. I watched Saturday's debacle. Okay. I uh, I listened to some of the games on from the road, and then I watched, I believe, the second half of Saturday, so the bad part of Saturday <laughs> uh, for the uh, men's game. Um, yeah, I think we get to blame you for that. Yeah. Collapse, true. but we'll get to that in a second. Let's start on the Friday night game. Again, because of conference play and COVID and everything, uh, what the Conference USA is doing is that the two teams will play each other, same arena, same opponent, two nights in a row. On Friday, Tech outscored Marshall by nine points in the final 10 minutes to win by seven. 75 to 68 was the final score. It was kind of back and forth a lot throughout this game. Tech got up 17 to 10 halfway through the first half uh, after Marshall had 10 straight possessions without any points. So Marshall was kind of shooting themselves in the foot there. Uh, the herd shooting drought went last for long. Marshall regrabbed the lead at the halftime mark. The dogs were down thirty to twenty-seven, uh, so they were kind of back on the upswing. But Tech had an upswing of their own on the second half. 
They went on a run. Marshall went on a run back and forth. But 10 minutes left in the game, the herd was ahead 56 to 51. Between 10 minutes left and five minutes left, so in that five-minute period, the Bulldogs scored 14 points and Marshall scored three. So the dogs kind of pulled ahead there. In the final five minutes, Tech only had two possessions that they didn't score any points on. So they were able to pretty much just successfully close it away. Didn't have foul shot issues or anything like that. And again, they won that game 75 to 68. Marshall was a good team, and I felt really good after watching this one. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a pretty good team performance across the board. You know, nobody necessarily stood out as the guy in that game, which is, you know, it's always good to see that because it's like, hey, we can spread the spread the ball around and still score points. Um, Lofton scored 15 points in 18 minutes. Crawford off the bench scored 15. Um, and then, you know, uh, there were looks like five Bulldogs in double double figures, including Kristen and Pemberton and Williams with 11 and then 10 for the second two guys there. So pretty nice to see five different players in double double figures. Yeah, and we needed them too because Caleb Ledoux was not having a great night. Ooh. His stat line, he was 0 for 4 from 2, <laughs> 0 for 4 from 3, and only hit one of his four foul shots. For our <laughs> Tex, I believe, leading scorer going into tonight, that's not a good look. Yeah, one – what does uh what does Ken Palm have to say about his offensive performance? You got that yeah, point? Uh, I do, yeah. Gil Ledoux's offensive rating. Again, a good player is usually above a hundred or 120 is like once you start getting the 150 range, you get to be really good. Uh the next lowest player before Ledoux was Stacy uh, was Andrew Gordon, who had a score of 80. Uh Archibald had a score of 82. And this game, Caleb Ledoux had a score of 18. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Yeah, so some nights you just can't shoot the basketball, and I mean he he missed Most three free throws. Yeah, I mean shoot every night I can't shoot the basketball. So <laughs> what am I talking about? But that's a that's a rough night. Yeah, uh, when yeah. you're a guard and you play 25 minutes and end the night with one point, things aren't going very well. Oh God. Yeah. Something else I found interesting from that game is that Junior or Kenny Lofton or or whatever we're calling him, he also had he played the fewest minutes since his first of the game season debut uh, at the beginning of this year. He only played what was it seventeen minutes in this game? Yeah. Uh, the other Tech starters played about twenty five to thirty five minutes. While he only pl- again played that seventeen, he still scored fifteen points while only playing seventeen minutes and had seven rebounds that led the team. So he still was pretty active and out there. But I really thought the reason why he didn't play more was, well, one, we won, but it wasn't like that was well in hand until the end of the game. But also, we're playing the next day. So the commentators kept talking about how the, how overweight the dude was, which kind of irked on body shaming at some point is what it sounded like at some points. But at the same time, this is a freshman who's not used to doing this and playing these two nights in a row, uh, limit his minutes and make sure he's ready to go on Saturday. Uh, but that yeah, didn't really wonder, work out too well. I wonder, you know, what what some of the advanced stats would say, like, is he a liability on defense or something? And that's why he's not earning as many minutes. You know, it seemed like he was getting a lot more minutes through the the rest of um, the out of conference slate, but now maybe in conference, you know, you have to worry a little bit more about things like that and, and some of the more advanced metrics that I don't really know much about. So maybe, maybe there's something in those Ken Palm stats. I'll have to dig through it later. <laughs> yeah, And a lot of what, Tech tried to do defensively, at least, or really just in general, was Marshall has quite a few bigs on their roster. Uh, they have a seven footer, they have a six foot niner, they have another six foot niner, uh, six nice. foot eight. What, a bunch of those guys who are really tall. What? I said, What are you, a pilot? Yes. India golf niner niner. 
AV okay, Incredibles reference. It was. Ah. Ah. Yeah, Tech has a six foot ten Andrew Gordon, but no one else really in that range. Uh, Lofton looks taller than he is, but he's only six foot seven. So instead of going with Tech's bigs, what what we tried to do a lot of was throw more guards out on the court and say, okay, we're not going to try to drive to the basket. We're going to try to play small ball. And it worked at times, and it worked on Friday night. But as we'll get to in a second, it did not work on Saturday night. It did not. Because on Saturday night, Tech again played Marshall in the Thomas Assembly Center, and the Bulldogs blew a 17-point second-half lead to fall 80-73. to You could have stopped as soon as you said the Bulldogs blew. <laughs> yeah. It was, Red and un- blue. it was unpleasant to watch in real time. Yeah, I, I mean, God, Marshall, <laughs> Marshall shot what like twenty percent in the first half. Is that? Does anybody remember what that stat was? They shot. Was, I think it was twenty six percent. Was very bad. Yeah, and they ended the game shooting forty five or forty four point four percent from the field. So they had a pretty good second half. Yeah. First half was 27%. Second half was 63%. Oh, <laughs> God. That's... In the first half, uh, Marshall was awful shooting the ball. And then I guess Steph Curry gave them some type of serum a la Space Jam, and everyone was just shooting lights out. <laughs> That's how it yeah. felt. In order to blow a lead, you have to first get a lead. And going to halftime, Tech was up 40 to 27. It, and it got yeah. a little bit larger yeah. of a lead there. Exactly. But at halftime, like we said, Marshall was shooting poorly. Tech also had nine more rebounds than the Herd did. Uh, and then in the second half, like we said, the Herd shot 63%. But the Herd also had seven more rebounds than Tech did in the second half. Yeah. yeah. So Wh- Whatever those halftime adjustments were for Marshall, I mean, they were very good because they came out. And now shooting, you know, is not necessarily an adjustment, but I guess the, the shot selection well, is. Yeah, exactly. The shot selection, who are you getting in your ISOs, who's coming off the block. Right. I mean, they came out, they had a game plan. They had a second half game plan. Like, this is what we're going to do. And they did it. And it's like Conkle went into the half and was like, fuck yeah, boys, we're going to dominate these hoes. Uh, <laughs> no adjustments needed. I'm going to go watch an episode of Parks and Rec and we're going to go back out there. We're just going to do it. And that's what they did. They went out there and you blew know, it. I wasn't yeah. in the locker room, so I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It I was mean, bad. So I, I just I felt like we I felt like we really I thought I liked the start of the second half. We I thought we were still playing at a pretty high level, but then somewhere around like the 12, 11 minute mark is where things started going south. Yeah. So at the eighteen minute mark, so eighteen minutes and one second, Tech is up forty six to twenty nine with a layup by Ledoux. Uh, Tech is up seventeen again. Do y'all want to guess what Ken Palm gave our chance to win in that moment? Ninety nine point nine. Evan, you got a guess? Uh, 95. Josh? 99.8. It was 94.5. So Ooh! Not quite as bad as, as y'all were making out to be. But that that's still, that easily rounds up to 100. That's, yeah. you play it this was, game 20 times, uh, and only one does the other team win. Oh, well, this was that one time. <laughs> so after Tech gained that 17-point lead over the next 10 minutes, Marshall went on two separate 13-2 runs, where they scored 13 and Tech scored two over the same time period. But with only a minute and 22 seconds left, Pemberton gets a rebound, and Tech's only down 71 to 70. It's still a close enough game where th- things can happen. But Archibald misses a layup on that possession. Marshall hits a three and then only piles on for there, from there. And the dogs again fall 80 to 73 in the second game against the Thundering Herd. Yeah, this was 
it was like watching the bowl game again at some point where I had high hopes and then we won like, oh yeah, we do so great in the past. We won however many bowl games in a row. We dominated the last game in the first half and then it just all fell apart very quickly. Make the pain go away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it was certainly that Tech shot four for 19 or three point in this game, 21%. Um, Awful. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, Kobe Williams hit one and Archibald hit three and everybody else missed. (laughs) Well, one made a garbage time three at the very end. Yeah, that was Archibald. He he hit three, got himself in double figures. But yeah, Ledoux, remember last game he had that offensive rating of 18, which is incredibly low. He had a slightly better (laughs) game in this one. Uh, slightly being the key word, he was four of 13, including missing all of the three, the three, three pointers he had attempted. However, it was somebody else's turn to have that offensive rating of 18 because Jacoby Pemberton in this game ended Uh, it exactly with an offensive rating of 18, zero of four, of four on two pointers, zero of two on three pointers and only three rebounds on the the night. Yeah. Boy, when we stink it up, we really stink it up. He had one assist. So that's what got him. And one offensive rebound, so that's what got him that 18. <laughs> and four fouls. Oh, oh my goodness. Ugh. Man, I could go out there and do that. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, I mean, don't think I could get a rebound. <laughs> 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 All five foot seven of me, like, hey, hey. <laughs> give me that, give me that. <laughs> you get the long ball off the free throw shot. <laughs> I think it's flying back towards the uh, center court. I don't know why I made myself sound like an 85-year-old man living in Nixon, Missouri. But... <laughs> That's a choice so, of words. I mean, to, to, I guess, wrap up the men's games here, you know, we went one and one, and it was just as inconsistent as we've always been, right? But I think Isaiah Crawford probably is the player of the weekend for Tech, right? He, he had 15 points in the first game coming off the bench and then 18 points in the second game coming off the bench. So... Um, pretty good show from him. Now, if we could just stop Pemberton and Ledoux from being awful from time to time, <laughs> we'll be all right. I mean, yeah, Kobe Williams also had a pretty good weekend. Yeah. Uh, above 100 offensive ratings from Ken Palm. Not that that really means anything, but he scored 17 points in that second game. And then also he scored 10 in the first. Yeah. And Kobe Williams isn't, isn't really a scorer. Uh, he's not a pure scorer normally. He's more of a, you know, uh, an assist guy or a, He's a point a point guard, right? So he's not the yeah. one taking the ball to the hoop, but nobody else could score, so he had to. Yeah, it was free throws, so good for him. It was not pleasant. And so one of the things that's probably worth noting about this matchup is that Marshall has a what looks to be a first-round NBA draft prospect on their roster, Tavion Kinsley. If you had told me going into this game Marshall has an NBA prospect on their team, who is it? I don't think I could have told you at the end of the game if I had the broadcast on mute because he played well enough but he didn't play like otherworldly like i would have expected the there's only two prospects in conference usa right now that are projected as either first or second round draft picks in this coming nba draft and guess who the other one plays for it's tech's opponent this weekend western kentucky western kentucky Hmm. we'll talk about their prospect in a second but to kind of go through this game or what we think it should be very quickly, uh, Marshall was the number 81 team of the country in Ken Palm. Western Kentucky is number 90. Oh, wow. Tech is 110th right now. Uh, so, would, can only go up. You want, 
Yeah, we can only go up. We can also go down. False. (laughs) (laughs) We can always move side to side. The Hilltoppers' best win so far this year came over number 36, Alabama, on the road. They won that game by two. However, this past weekend, Western Kentucky traveled to Charlotte to play, again, a split series Friday, Saturday night, and only won one of those games. The other one they lost in overtime. Yeah, both both games were close, too. Uh, 67 to 63 on Friday and 75 71 loss in overtime. Um, so, and Charlotte, I think, is picked pretty low in the conference, but apparently they looked pretty good. So maybe Western Kentucky's not as good as we thought, or Charlotte is better than we thought, or maybe both. I don't know. I'll be really curious to see how many split series we get this year, too, since you're playing All the same team back to back nights. You yeah. basically get a, another halftime adjustment to do between we split games. everything. But yeah, looking at the Hilltopper team itself, they are not as quite as good of a shooting team as Marshall was, but they do sink free throws at 79%, which is the 14th best in the country. They don't take a lot of threes, and much to La Tech Sports Report's chagrin, they take a lot of long twos, even more so than what Tech does. Uh, and that's wow. something they've complained about a lot all this year. Not a fan of long twos. What do, you, do you prefer short twos, or do you prefer threes? If you're going to shoot a long two, just step behind the line and shoot a three. You crazy bastards. So far this year, Louisiana Tech, their two-point shooter, like what they call Jays on this website, so jump shots from two-point. It says percent shots, two-point, capital J. Uh, Tech shoots them at about 20%. It's around 21%. Western Kentucky shoots them 28% of the time. Wait, hold on a second. You're saying that Tech's only shooting 21%? No, the, the num- that's not how often they make it. That's how often a shot they take uh, is a okay. long jumper, well, a two-point jumper. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? Was your, I mean, do we want to be a dominant physical team that drives the lane every time? I mean, I, I guess I'm curious to know what percentage or what type of shot percentage we take with other types of shots because 21% shooting jump shots seems kind of low. Let me. I'll give you these stats real quick. This is based on the team. So... There's shots at the rim, long two-pointers, and three-pointers. Those are the three categories. Uh-huh. They, 42% of their shots are the ones that take at the rim. On those shots, they shoot about 60% from the field. Uh, on long twos, they shoot 21% of the time, but they only hit them 27% of the time. Oof. So that's what a lot of tech sports reports complaining about. That. I see. They're so bad at them, they shouldn't be attempting them pretty much ever. Three-point shots, they attempt uh, 37% of the time. And they hit it 34% of the time. Hmm. So two-pointers are still the best shot in terms of scoring some points there. With all those advanced analytics and everything, it just feels like you could, uh, I mean, it's not as deep as baseball gets with sabermetrics, I feel. But my God, it really makes you, I don't know, look at the game of basketball a little bit differently. I feel like I could coach. Well, they keep (laughs) scooting back the three-point line because you might as well just step back. and. Well, the the college... The college three-point line is uh, closer than the pros, which... Yeah, but they keep scooting both of them back. Did they really? Is that a thing? Over time, yeah. I'm not sure when the last time it was, but we can pause the podcast and look it up. By the time Steph Curry's grandkids are in the NBA, it'll be at half court. (laughs) But that's interesting, though. We're uh, only shooting... 21% of our shots are from Jays, if you will. Uh, Quick interjection. They actually moved the three-point line back for the 2019-2020 season uh, to 21 or 22 feet, one and three quarter inches. Wow. So last year. Yeah. They moved it back. Well, they used to not even be a three point line in college until like 1987. I think maybe we should go back to that. Oh, it should not be a three point line at all. We go far enough. Do you guys remember watching that game with, uh, 
with Carl Malone and just how weird it was that no it one was very, from outside. Odd. It I, was I did not like that. Much more physical type of basketball back then. Yeah. And it's kind of funny you bring that up because on defense, Western Kentucky really struggles to defend the three. Teams are shooting 40% from deep against Western Kentucky so wow. far this year. Are they just like sagging off and hoping that nobody gets hot from three or what are they doing? <laughs> I, I have no idea, but maybe this is what it is. And it's what really scares me about this team more so than their free throw percentage or anything else is that they rebound the ball very well. So maybe they just don't even try to play defense and try to go up for the rebound whenever it hits the rim. If it does hit the rim, uh, Western Kentucky is the 87th best offensive and 24th best defensive rebounding team in the country. Um, and a lot of that success is due to one guy that NBA draft prospect mentioned a few minutes ago, Charles Basie or Bassey. Man. Or I still like we've been talking about him for right? 30 years now. How long like, has this guy been at Western Kentucky? And you think I would know how to pronounce his name by now. Well, he's been hurt a bunch of times too. So I don't know if we've actually played him before. That's true. We need to look that up. But yeah, right now he's the sixth best defensive rebounder in the country, uh, which really kind of brings up Western Kentucky's numbers. And so, yeah, it kind of sucks to be playing two draft prospects in back-to-back weeks. But in terms of this game in specific, Evan, how do you th- or what do the polls say about how this game will go? Yeah, Ken Palm and Massey. Two of them. Ken Palm and Massey are both giving us a thirty-three percent chance to win, uh, and they predict Western Kentucky will win seventy-five to seventy. Um, it's not often that those are exactly the same. Normally they're pretty close, um, but not not exactly. And then ESPN's Basketball Power Index, so their basketball version of FPI, says that Western Kentucky has a 70.9% chance to win. So they're a little bit, uh, little bit less uh, optimistic about the Bulldogs' chances. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know, in terms of players to watch, really it's Bassey, right? He's... He's really good, and we got to watch out for him, right? Yeah, just talked about that rebounding, but he's also the 10th best shot blocker in the country, and he hits two-point field goals at a percentage of 67%, which is also a top 100 in the country. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of those shots come from the rim because, again, this is an interior number five type guy, uh, but he's not afraid to take a long two. We were kind of talking about those numbers a second ago and pulling them up again. He shoots those two-point jump shots 23% 23% of the time that he takes a shot. It's one of those. So that is a bit much for someone who I would think would be just sit under goal, take basketball, put it up kind of guy. Another kind of interesting point from all of that is they have another guy who shoots two point long two pointers a lot. And that's Tavion Hollingsworth who, Oh my God, I was about to ask if he's still on their team because he is, I don't know if you remember, but last year the Bulldogs lost 95 to 91 in overtime to the, to Western Kentucky and Hollingsworth scored 43 points, which is a freaking lot in college basketball. It is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I brought up that two point shot, uh, not at the rim. So the jumper or the J or whatever to trigger Matt real quick. Oh, God. So, so the two players that tech has that like regularly play that shoot the ball from a two point J the most often are Jacoby Pemberton and Xavier Christian. They both shoot at 20% of the time they take a shot. It's that two point J Hollingsworth shoots the two-point J 55% of the time he goes up for a shot. He rarely yeah, takes wow. a three. He rarely a puts a shot up at the rim. It's all two-point jumpers. That's a hell of a way to make your living in basketball, you know? I mean, if it works, it's not, it works. It's not a popular shot. He's 39% hitting those shots, too, so it's not like he's bad at them or anything. 
also, for what it's worth, uh, Charles Bassey has played against Tech looks like one time from what I can see. It was a 62-50 to 50 victory for Tech in 2018, and Bassey scored 16 points. He led um, Western Kentucky in points in that game. Okay, yeah, so we got both of these then. He's playing, we'll win. <laughs> yeah, and Hollingsworth only had seven in that game, so he doesn't always beat the shit out of us, but just sometimes. Just sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Yeah, we're going to kind of predict how this week will go with those two games, but let's jump in and do Texter stuff real quick and so we can kind of combine our answers for it. Uh, Texters went 1-1 one one on the week also against Marshall. They were on the road in Huntington. Like the men, the Texters won their first game and lost their second. The first was an overtime 61-51 to win, but then they followed it up with a 61-57 to loss. Uh, again, they're welcoming Western Kentucky. This time they're playing home because the men are away. Tech has a 63% chance to win each of those games. And the final score prediction that Massey gives is 68 to 63. So the Texters are favored to win a game. That feels nice to hear. It um, does. Yeah. yeah. Just real quick from the Marshall games for the Texters. Um, Kiana Walker in the first game had 26 points. She led all players in the game. And then uh, also Amber Dixon had a double-double. And then in the second game, the loss, uh, Ginto had 20 points. And let's see, no no double-doubles there. But one thing that uh, I find interesting about these two games is the bench is real bad. Like, there's no depth to this team at all. Um, there's That's never a good thing. In the first game, there's five points from the bench, and it was from Bree Harris who, scored t- or who played 25 minutes and scored five points. And then the bench in the second game scored two points. And, I mean, there's players coming off the bench for 23 minutes and 13 minutes, and they're they're not they're shooting 0 for 6 0 for 3 so that's that's like yeah laughably bad yeah and the, i mean the team shot 29% in that game so it wasn't like the starters did much better but yeah that's that's got to improve if we want to make a run in conference or even be in the top half of conference you're going to have to get something from your bench players yeah and when the tournament starts and you play games back to back to back which we've never been good at yeah at least in my time watching tech yep <laughs> Yeah, but as bad as that bench is, at least the Texters are favored to beat Western Kentucky. Uh, the only win this so far this year for the Lady Hilltoppers came over number 351, Bellarmine, which is a school I, I thought was they, just made up. No, uh, Julia's cousin Ashley graduated from there. It's in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, wow. We're a small world. Hey, that's oh. where Shy Wirtz goes now. Not Bellarmine, but Louisville, Kentucky. She, she graduated from Bellarmine. With a degree in psychology. Cool. And now, now she works for Women in Crisis, I think. Did she play basketball? No, she's one of the most unathletic people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> she she put, tore her... She tore... <laughs> put her on blast um, like that, man. Man, I'll never forget. Like, this is one of the, cra- one of the weirdest things. But uh, Julia and I went over to Indianapolis uh, for Halloween in, I think, 2015 or 14. I don't remember. It's been a long time. And uh, we surprised everyone went over there. (laughs) Her cousin, Ashley, we went over to another cousin's house and Ashley was wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, rubber mask. And she was kind of chasing the little cousins that are like four and five years old. She was kind of, you know, playing with the kids. And Ashley ran, (laughs) ran downstairs and she missed the last step. And she didn't trip and fall on her face. Instead, she, I don't know how to describe it, but she missed the last step 
and she landed on her right leg. And you know how when you're not expecting to miss the step and you, I don't know how to describe it. Like you don't realize you're about to miss the last step. So your weight that you put down. Anyway, she put down too much weight, missed the step and landed on her right leg with all this pressure coming down. She tore her ACL, MCL, PCL. Shit. It's called the terrible shredded. It's called the terrible triad. And she just came down and tore it. And the weird thing is she got right back up. She was like, ow, ow, ow. And I was like, are you all right? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. And we helped her up. And she walked out to her car, drove us back. And then we went to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch a UFC fight. And then we were sleeping that night and she started crying. And I was like, are you all right? And then they took her and she so no, she's not athletic. She tore all three tendons in her knee. Yeah, she won't be juking okay. any running backs so or anything. Now she definitely won't be playing. Right. Well, I mean, she's <laughs> it was it was five or six years ago. She's fully you healed. Juke a defensive back. All right. <laughs> yeah. So actually, five or six years ago is when this happened. Uh, I kind of looked up Bellarmine while you were telling that story. And in terms of athletics championships, they won the Division Two men's basketball championship back in 2011. But they do have a two-time national winning team for one of their actually women's programs. Can y'all guess what sport they have two national titles in? Lacrosse. <laughs> they have a lacrosse team, but it's not it. Oh. Uh, diving. Horseback riding. On April 10th, 2015, the Bellarmine University dance team captured their first national dance title team. at the NDA wow. Collegiate Dance Championship. And then on April 5th, 2019, they captured their second national title. Also, it's not Bellarmine, it's Bellarmine. Bellarmine? Well, that makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah. anyway uh all right move along yeah, either way western kentucky the team we're supposed to be talking about here they did beat bellarmine bellarmine what i'm, bellarmine? I'm gonna say bellarmine that, that's what it's like now. the fresh prince of bellarmine and then they they lost to five other teams but those no, five Nathan, teams have all no, been in the 100s no. in rankings you can't go any further oh my goodness it's so a joke, police the joke's too funny <laughs> <laughs> well, I just found my uh basically the texters should beat these teams, especially at home. Um hopefully they can get some consistency and um you know I I missed the preview on Marshall last week, but were they were they any good or were those two games Tex should have won? That is a good question. Marshall right now is two hundred nineteenth in the country okay. and tech is 169th. So Oh wow. Huh. We're yeah, we're better than we were before. That's cool. Progress. <laughs> Such um, an under, anyway. underwhelming realization. Yeah, so so let's let's get off basketball here. We've been talking about basketball for a while, and we still have sadness to go through. So, what do you guys think is going to happen this week? Uh, quick, quick predictions on the um, you know the outcomes this week. Both teams go one and one. Same. I will predict splits until they no longer happen. Same. Nathan, what you got? All right, usually Josh is the homer, so I guess I'll be it this time. Not that I'm oh, not man. also usually the homer, but I am evil homer. But yeah, <laughs> I think one and one for the men is actually being pretty optimistic about this. I'm kind of hoping for a yeah. split there. I was kind of hoping for a split against Marshall too. I really feel like if we split both these opening series, we're pretty much in really good position the rest of the year to kind of end it all out. But with the texters, maybe just because my hopes and dreams for them are so much higher than they are for the men right now. But this is a team they should beat, and it's at home instead of a thousand miles away in Huntington, West Virginia. So I'm really hoping the Texters get both wins, and then we finish the week at three and one. Yeah, I'll say um, uh, the Texters should win both games. So I'm going to go with that. Man, it's it's tough to play back to back 
against a good team, but this team had trouble with Charlotte, so I think we can split it as well. So I'm going to go three and one as well, Nathan. Same as you, uh, but the but the dogs will lose the one that you think they're going to win and win the one that <laughs> I whatever I, I confuse myself there, but you know what I mean. Yeah. All right. Cool. So now we're done, right? No more no more podcasts this week. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Nope. It looks like there's still time remaining on the podcast player you're listening to this with. We so that probably means we're going to do what we do right now, and that's talk about the football season recap. A year where Tech went 5-5 five and five and went to a bowl game just to lose it, a thing that we didn't think that was possible. I don't really have any structure or any notes or anything like that to really talk about this season. I think it'd be kind of cool just to kind of talk about how we thought the year went, where we, I think we were all kind of disappointed by the end of it, but how all we thought about it. In, in terms of me, with, with how COVID impacted everything at the beginning of the year, the postponements, the fact that we went an entire month without playing a football game, I'm not happy about ending the season 5-5 five and five with a bowl loss and no conference title or anything like that. But even before the year started, it was going to get a write-off for me. We could have lost every game, and I would have been, okay, don't fire the coach yet kind of thing because of just how awful everything leading up to this has been. And next year is really more important to me than this year with a lot of this. And so I'm I'm not happy with how everything went, but I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, well, it was a bad season, and obviously the pandemic doesn't help that. Uh, I don't want to be one of those guys. The season doesn't count because of the pandemic, or maybe things would have been better, different had the pandemic not happened. I don't think that Tech was really going to win a lot of games this season, regardless of the circumstances. It's just a bad season, and the thing is, there were some there were. I, I mean, it could have been worse. You could have lost every game on the schedule, or you could have had no moments of pure joy. I think that we were all riding pretty high after the first game of the season uh, when we beat USM. That was an exciting game, and it felt good. I don't know if you guys remember the photo of me in my underpants sprawled out in the front door of my bedroom. I do. <laughs> which which photo of you in your underpants was that? I have too many of them. Uh, <laughs> this is the one where... Uh, we had just won a football game, but uh, ah, right. <laughs> so it started off really well. Uh, we're riding high off the USM game. At that point, you don't know if USM is going to be really good, if we're going to be really good, or if we're just two really bad teams that uh, fought to the death as two really bad teams. So, and then things just got worse. I mean, a high point of the season for me was beating UAB, even though I felt like the refs completely screwed UAB out of the win. <laughs> beating UAB was cool, but Nathan bleep that part. <laughs> <laughs> The most disappointing thing about the season was watching Luke break his leg in half because it, I mean, it had already been a really crummy season, but that really stunk. And then it somehow got worse when Aaron Allen, who I thought was going to have a breakout season, uh, showed up to the ball game and pulled a uh, Tommy O'Donnell a la Super Bowl 30 by throwing interceptions that were suspiciously, egregiously thrown straight to the defense. You are filled with references. Um, <laughs> and Every time Matt so, talks, I have to Google like four things. Right? Yeah, this is just off the dome, brah. But it was a disappointing season. I'm not super sad about it like Evan tends to get, where he takes it personally. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if he doesn't take that, come on. <laughs> He's about to take that personally. Anyway, it was super disappointing. I know we're all going to say something similar to that. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel. Uh, in terms of how COVID affected the season, I'm pretty sure that it's obvious it did. I don't want to focus too much on the future because I feel like we could have a whole other podcast on that. Yeah, that's what the off season is. Uh, exactly. So 
just a really disappointing season. And it's not like the 2013 level of disappointment because even though we lost all those seniors in 2013, I still felt like rather stupidly looking back because anyone with common sense would have realized we weren't going to be as good. I thought we were going to still be a good enough football team to compete nationally. Obviously, we were horrible in 2013. Yeah. Uh, a whole different level of awful. This awful just felt like a perfect a perfect mixture of the pandemic, of inexperience at key positions, uh, most importantly quarterback, and uh, unfortunate luck when it came to players getting sick with the COVID or players getting hurt like Luke. I don't know. It's 2013 was a really, I felt angry at the end of 2013. I don't feel angry at the end of 2020. I feel sad. And that's my contribution. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think for me, I'm not sad. I'm just looking at this and I think it's worse than we've like, while it was happening, I don't think it felt as bad as, as what I'm looking at now. Right. Like, I think it's, I think we had a worse 2020 than even our record shows. And I don't think we can blame COVID because everybody else was dealing with COVID as well. Obviously like having Hardy, you know, sit out the last three games had an impact on our team. Um, Having the two offensive linemen sit out the last three games had an impact on our team. And, you know, those are specific things that we went through that maybe other teams didn't, but I mean, just looking at the these stats across our, our 10 games, our quarterback, we had a quarterback throw for more than 200 yards one time, and it was against Houston Baptist. So zero times in nine games against FBS opponents. Um, and now they may have combined for more than 200, but the, the best performance outside of Houston Baptist was Luke Anthony against BYU in a blowout loss, and then Aaron Allen in U, against UAB with 191 yards. And then the running game was even worse <laughs> outside of the North Texas game for Tucker. You know, we're talking about we went five and five. Southern Miss almost certainly should have been a loss, right? We we got a fourth down inch away from the end line. Like that's you're talking about an inch and that's a loss, right? So so and then UTEP, we played awful and could have lost that game as well. UTSA was is one that goes the other way. You know, it's if we make a play here or there, we probably win that game. UAB, as Matt referenced, I mean, we won, but if they if they had called Spencer Brown in the end zone there in overtime, who knows what would have happened, right? Instead of saying that he fumbled, which was, you know, that's the call they made on the field and they didn't have an angle to overturn it. And that's what I'll say about that. So the only games that I really feel confident at the end of the season saying like, yeah, we won that game is Houston Baptist. Uh, shout out to my wedding day and, uh, and North Texas. And all the other ones are like, wow, we, uh, you know, not that we got lucky or, or, or anything like that, but like if if one thing happened slightly differently, <laughs> we're talking about being two and eight, right? And not yeah, pretty awful. Not five and five with a with a bowl appearance. And you know, those last two games definitely leave a sour taste in my mouth because you know it's the last two games we got outscored. What is that? Ninety to thirteen? Yeah, uh, not great. And obviously, Luke Anthony hurting his leg is is not great, but really this team offensively was just awful all season. And I think a lot of it was offensive line issues that maybe were, maybe the pandemic exacerbated those issues, but it, it doesn't feel like we can blame it all on the pandemic. Like something is wrong with the offensive line. Something was wrong with the play calling. Something was wrong with, with the wide receivers outside of Adrian Hardy, not being able to to do anything. And, and outside of smoke Harris, I would say too, but I don't know. I mean, there were some bright spots 
certainly like uh, the emergence of Tyler Grubbs, I think is a bright spot and, you know, he's a true freshman, so he'll be a, a freshman again next year, I guess. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just hard to see like a, a reason to be optimistic for our future podcast where we look into uh, next year, but I don't know. I guess I'll cut myself off there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I was about to cut you off as well. And not because of time, but because I want to jump in before giving Josh floor too. Cause oh, I know. Okay. You, you might as well say your piece now before I really bring the mood down. Because here's my thought. You're talking about the games that we to say the elephant in the room that tech got lucky in and both UAB and Southern Miss where it was very easy that tech loses those games. And even against UTEP at the same time, we are one point away from making the conference championship game. We score two more points against UTSA. Two points. Fair enough. Fair enough. And Tech makes a conference championship game. And yes, Tech had two very lucky moments against uh, UAB and Southern Miss. But we look back last year where the the Tucker drops the ball game against UAB. He catches that. Tech wins that game. Tech got a, And Tech makes a conference championship. Tech got unlucky. Uh, we can yeah. go back a few more years, and I'm sure there are more examples where Tech makes a conference championship game or does better. But you look at the Marshall game. In 2014, for the conference championship itself, Tech gets unlucky, leads the whole way, kind of falls apart a little bit at the end, and loses that game by three. Uh, Tech has got unlucky so many times in the past. I don't even care that we won those games by being lucky because at some point we're due for a swing of luck. Yeah, and, and, and so that's Tech's enough. offense I mean, wasn't great, but Tech's defense was, was very good. Football is a game of, of luck too, so like you're gonna you're gonna win and lose games that you quote unquote shouldn't have. So that's not entirely what i'm saying it's just this offense was abysmal the whole season really and you're absolutely right we also have more as a percentage of our schedule the the p5s who at least were ranked at one point during the season are i'm kind of byu here even though not really but still we have two money games here where tech got blown out in both of them if those are at the very beginning of the season and then we also play ulm as our fourth out of conference game and maybe play another couple bad conference usa schools i feel like we look a little more favorably on this year but because 20 percent of our schedule is getting blown out by teams that are better than us rather than whatever two divided by 12 is then it's even less favorably and then you add in the sour note of the bowl game uh yeah which i'm not sure if co even without this crazy year i'm not sure we would have done any better with this team i'm not trying to say this was a successful year by any means but yeah. To dismiss Josh. anything good that happens because of luck, I think is unfair as well. And real quick before Josh gets started, I'd like to say that uh, <laughs> my, my my reference to Tommy O'Donnell, I'm, it's actually Neil O'Donnell. So no disrespect to Tommy O'Donnell, the Irish rugby union player. Mm. Well, all right. all right. Josh, you've been built up long enough. All the suspense is now on you. You ready? No. This team stinks, man. This team is they were they were not good and i like i know you kind of brought it up a little bit nathan and evan set more realistic you know a recap of the season you know but man this team this team has no excuses for being as mediocre as they were and the offense was just awful and i know luke anthony didn't get any spring practice and it's you know it's tough to throw in a starting quarterback without any spring practice he doesn't have any repertoire with his receivers and he doesn't really know the playbook as well but man the revolving qb cares like going back and forth between the two of them builds no consistency it, it was a lot of baffling choices on offense from the I top think he meant, i think he meant rapport rapport yeah Thank i'm you. i'm a math major <laughs> but i get what you're saying but it i mean yeah we got lucky in a couple and you know we won we only won two of the games we should have won like hbu and utep like those are like 
we even knew looking into the season, like those are easy wins and we won those. But I mean, we got embarrassed in three, maybe four games. If you count the Marshall loss, like it, it wasn't like those four games were ugly too. Like I remember watching most of those games and just being like, there is, there is no hope with this team this year. Like they just well, can't get anything going on offense. And you know, even the COVID issue, like we had a lot of O-line issues, but like, like you said, Evan, like everyone had COVID problems and our O-line issues are, not solely due to the fact that we've had players sit out for COVID. Like there's, there was kind of a problem this year with that, but man, I mean, we had what three really good moments this year, you know, beating Southern Miss, beating UAB and beating North Texas. But I mean, I wasn't even happy with the UTEP win. At the end of the season, I mostly feel indifferent about tech football, which is arguably worse than being angry or sad. (laughs) Yeah. I I just, I kind of just, like we got blown out board by Georgia Southern and like, yeah, I was mad about it as it was happening. But then about when the fourth quarter rolled around, I like, I didn't care. I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't care about this. I didn't even watch the game. I didn't either. I was working. I kind of kept up on my phone. I, I was, was like, working. Yeah. I was working too, but I didn't care. Like, I knew we yeah. weren't going to win and I had accepted it already. So I didn't watch it. And I like, I know we play these big teams all the time and like, you can't always expect like go toe to toe with these power five teams, but, Man, I just feel like I want to see something out of those games. Like, call up some impo- crazy plays or, you know, at least make it exciting to watch as a fan instead of watching us get our ass kicked so, in the third quarter. So you'd be happy with us losing by 70 as long as we did, like, six flea flickers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every single play is a flea flicker. I'll never <laughs> see it coming. Get sweeps, reverses, whatever. Sure. All of a sudden, you, the running back actually keeps it and runs for 90 yards because they're expecting <laughs> to catch it back. <laughs> or the running back inexplicably runs all the way to the one-yard line and laterals at 80 yards back to the <laughs> Just straight up, like, plants his feet and, like, launches it. <laughs> Shoot, man. <laughs> yeah, I, but, I mean, we could get – that's a whole other Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Talk- uh, yeah, but I, that's a whole other podcast talking about how we can't compete with P5. I mean, but that I get what you're saying. It's, I think uh, a lot of it's come down to my disinterest with college football, you know, growing as everyone just talks only about the playoff. And I mean, what other podcast is talking about smaller sports or smaller schools? You know, that's why we need. Well, that's why this exists. That's why we need more people like us, because you have to set your expectations to realistic levels for the level that you play at tech's not going to compete for national championships right and but, i don't expect them to but well then you're not a true fan <laughs> but i don't want to look like dog shit every time we play a team with a pulse you know yeah i get it it's uh i would love to be able to realistically expect tech to win 10 games every year win a couple of kusa titles and uh go to a better ball game but right now, I think a realist, a realistic expectation uh, should be for next year to win more games than we did this year. <laughs> Just win the yeah. West, man. Fair enough. Come keep, on. Keep the bowl attendance streak alive. Um, <laughs> well, how many bowls in a row? It's been seven in a row, huh? Yeah, seven yeah. in a row, which is still crazy. And that's, uh, and, that's and that and we're six and one. I mean, that's, yeah. that's and every that's, time we've gone to a bowl we haven't gone to before, we've won it. So we just need to go to a different bowl game each year. So we go right. to the Rose Bowl and win it. Hell yeah. Exactly. And then we stay at Catherine's father's house and go to the Rose Bowl. And then we go back and get on his Guy Fieri grill. And, I'll and, make, I'll and make not just the people, people on the call. Everyone who's listening to this, y'all are all invited. 
yeah, to, to Catherine's father's house. I will. I will. Yeah, we will have a party. Well, Upland's not far from Pasadena. What's her uh, address, real quick? You want to say that out loud? Five five five. Yeah, five five five. Five five lane. One um, hundred Main Street. Um, anyway. Anyway, to to wrap this up, let's everybody give one bright spot or, or happy memory from the season. Just I'll real go quick. first. Okay, go ahead. Uh, it's like a therapy I'll, group. Yeah, we need Fuck it. you. Um, Fuck you. Oh, <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> My heart. Um, obviously, there aren't a lot of moments to pick from, uh, or just like a player or, or some something good uh, to take away from this season. I thought it'd be pretty obvious what I was going to pick is what I thought the best play or the best moment of the whole season was, uh, and that's uh, Aber's catch from Luke Anthony on fourth down to win the game with his foot barely in bounds and that great shot from ESPN two or whatever it was. Yep. Uh, that caught it. That was the highlight because you're one to know. You just want a close game. You just pooped on Jack Abraham again, and you pooped on him so hard that he went to Mississippi State inexplicably. <laughs> so that for me was great because after that you think, wow, we're one. We're we might be really good this season. So it was. I was feeling real good. Other than that, no, it was a disaster. You stole my answer because I was going to say yellow shirt guy, the guy who got out of the way so that camera angle could see. That was the. I think of another answer. And that was the aid. That was USM's AD, wasn't it? AD or president? Say so, yeah, something like that. Either way, he's always yellow shirt guy in my head now. Oh man, what you got an answer for this since this he brought up the good, question? Good moment. Yeah, I mean, I think Milton Williams had a had a pretty good season. You know, he he only had four and a half sacks on the year, but he pretty much single handedly won us that UAB game. I mean, there were a lot of things that went into that, but. If he didn't step up and and start slapping his helmet and and talking trash and you know getting his guys amped up, you know after like that routine, it was like second and nine, and he tackled the guy for a one yard gain, and he's just like hell yeah, like keep running, you know. And it was like, what the hell are you doing? But then like all of a sudden the defense was back. It was so weird. So like I- I'm gonna choose that as my moment of the year because it was like when it was happening, it was like what why is he doing that? And then like five minutes later, you're like, yeah, keep doing that. Do that next week too, please. So Josh, what, what about you? Tyler grubs. Oh, T grubs. Fair enough. That's it. Yeah. That's enough. about it for me. That's it's a bright spot to look forward to right there. 96 tackles. Until he transfer portals to LSU. Hey, I will probably, you know what? I'm just going to keep it to myself. Yeah. Please don't, <laughs> please don't say that. End up in the federal prison system. There you go. Anyway, yeah, my answer is going to be <laughs> Jacob Barnes. We're trying to replace Brady Hale, or sorry, Bailey Hale, who last year perfect on extra points, 15 to 18 to field goals. And Brady Farlow. So Brady Hale is a pretty yeah, good. Th- that's exactly what I was doing, apparently. <laughs> Their love child. <laughs> you caught on to my subconscious. Yeah, and what Jacob Barnes did on punting is still kind of being worked out, and, and he doesn't get the trophy for this. But he does hit every extra point he attempts this year. 33 of 33 from extra points. That's that's good. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. Could, uh, could, could be worse for sure. Than 12 of 14 on field goals, which is 86%. The only two field goals he missed were over 40 yards. Uh, yeah. But most importantly, he missed those two field goals on purpose because he ends the year up with 69 points scored on the season. Nice. <laughs> I knew you were going there. 69. <laughs> Lamal. So Jacob yeah. Barnes. And, and like – not even as a meme answer, just kicking was one of those problem areas that I was really worried about going into the year, and he was good. Yep, works for me. 
But yeah, that's enough positivity for now. Uh, let's do our tweet of the week, Evan. What do we got this week? <laughs> well, we got our we got our boy Dave, uh, Sharp Millionaire. He tweeted out earlier today. So so earlier today we didn't mention this. Doc Holiday got uh, or his contract was renew not contract. renewed. Yeah. yeah. So he was a, a Doc Holiday is the coach of Marshall. No, you liar. He's also, not the coach of Marshall. A, a famous a <laughs> famous <laughs> outlaw in the old west. Wyatt Earp sends his regards. Indeed. <laughs> anyway, our boy Char Millionaire tweets out, Conference USA is incredible. What other conference continues to do news <laughs> like this? Coach of the year getting canned by the governor of West Virginia is only like the fifth weirdest thing that has happened this season. Uh, I saw that. That was great. Ooh, can we name four weirder things that happened this season? Maybe that's for a different podcast. Yeah, well, no, right we'll now, have, let's go. Four, four weirder things. Let's have Dave on and, and talk about the five weird things that happened. Uh. One of them may be one of the replies to that picture, which is a cow, but with a shark's body. <laughs> Wouldn't we play UAB in basketball? <laughs> we play them February 12th and 13th in wrestling. Well, I know what we're doing that week. Losing. And they're number 98 in basketball. So they're the sec outside of West Kentucky. They'll be the next best team we'll play this year. We'll split every series until the end of time. And then everybody in the conference will just be what? I don't even know how many games are playing this year conference wise. Everyone play is nine and nine at the end of the year, and I'll edit that long pause out as I counted up every game and divided it by two. But I that about wraps it up for this it. episode of the Go Tech Blues and Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G O T E C H P L S D N T D I E, or head to our blog where I'm because football season's over. I'm trying to put a post up every week. This week will be about blown leads. That'll be fun. Anyway, that oh, blog God. is. Oh, How would you do God. that? What God. is wrong with you? Because basketball, we've done two. We've done two 16-point blown leads in was this like 15 games? Not even that. 11 games. We've blown well, two 16-point losses. Continue the sadness. Better than a post on one-point losses. Christ! Yeah. Why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Why do we keep watching sports? That's a very good question. Anyway. I ask myself that most days, honestly. Or blown leads in which we lost by one. Um. That's a, it's a little bit more specific. <laughs> anyway, again, that blog is gtpdd.dog. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. I'm the fresh prince of Bellarmine. <laughs> and go tech. Please don't die. It's Bellarmine, you fuck. <laughs>